Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I'm your host, Darren, and today we are going to be covering episode 13 of season 5, uh, which is called The Untethered Soul, uh, which I think is uh, just a reference to the fact that um, Buster ordered a foot instead of a hand. Um, <laughs> I think that's all it's a reference to. Um, uh, it is written by Chris Mars and directed by Troy Miller, and obviously it went up on the... 15th of March with the rest of the episodes. It begins in 1982 uh, in a storyline that will come back in future episodes uh, featuring Colby Smulders and Taryn Killam playing uh, George and Lucille. Uh, and they are talking about the Mr. and Mrs. Bluth pageant, which had up until 1982 been won by them because they were the judges. Um, and now um, it is going to be, um, you know, open to anybody to win. And so Job is going to do push-ups, although he's told he's not allowed to do push-ups. And Michael has bought himself a uh, magic kit. And so he is going to perform magic. Um, of course, we will see how that plays out in future episodes because we all know where that is heading. Um, and Michael is definitely not going to be the one who becomes a magician. Um, we get back to the present day, which of course is 2015, uh, where we see a vehicle of interest, uh, which was spotted on the news uh, as a large person-type thing was being thrown off the back of the stair car. Um, and it has been left by uh, Oscar and Buster um, in, in the police station in an area marked um, uh, vehicle evidence, um, which of course was actually for the person who collects evidence, uh, the evidence guy, if you will. Um, and when he finds out that someone has parked in his spot, um, he begins to damage the evidence against Buster, which, of course, itself is called by the narrator damaging evidence against Buster, <laughs> which is a wonderful wordplay. Um, and Buster is charged with first degree murder. Um, he went to turn himself in for running away from the parade. Uh, but obviously the, you know, things have escalated since then. Um, we jump to a really weird uh, Golden Girls <laughs> montage uh, featuring uh, Tobias's new family along with uh, maybe Undercover as Annette um, and uh, with the kind of the I don't like the cover of the Golden Girls music you know the thank you for being a friend um, it is it looks like it's fun um, but then briefly the narrator takes the music away and we find out that everybody is yelling and threatening each other, locking each other in cupboards, threatening to put heads through glass tables. And so the narrator brings the music back in to drown out all this yelling and screaming that is going on between these people. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the police station, uh, Barry advises the blues um, that they should hire because he is disbarred and not allowed to be around anybody under the age of 25. Um, they should hire the guilty guys uh, because they are really good at um, what they do. What they do is not specified in this episode. We'll find out in future episodes that Barry is kind of, his language is kind of leading the blues down the wrong path. He says, especially if you're guilty. Uh, of course, this raises the hope of the blues that, of course, Buster will be um, let off. Um, and we get probably my favorite thing in the entire season five, which is a really, really long intro where... Um, the narrator goes into the ins and outs of what each member of the Guilty Guys does and how they are qualified, uh, what they're qualified to do. Um, you know, Anita Bramwell, uh, David G-Man Barnes, uh, Jack Griffin, uh, Garrison Harvard Sweet, um, and Shara Winfield. Um, and at the end of the introduction, he says he might have got Jack and David mixed up, <laughs> which is 
which is a wonder i don't know i just kind of love it because it's like it's a very kind of professional like you see them working hard and doing various things and each of them has their specialties and we will see throughout the rest of this episode that it's also a very costly thing um you know they basically spend a lot of money to do stuff that could easily be proven um and then you know the kind of centerpiece of the episode is a groundbreaking uh, of course, Job is annoyed that he wasn't invited, but of course he was invited. It's just he doesn't understand how work works. And he thinks that work doesn't start until nine to five, um, <laughs> which is... I don't know why the Blues haven't... Like, I don't know why Arrested Development hasn't made that joke before, <laughs> but the fact that Blue that Job thinks that the work starts nine minutes before it finishes. Uh, but it's a wonderful gag. Um, and so while Michael is giving this speech, uh, which has been carefully vetted by a deer. Um, and is strictly, you know, everything about it is carefully checked um, to make sure it's legal. Um, while he's delivering this speech, Job enters in a bulldozer and bulldozes everything <laughs> over everything and makes a gigantic mess, um, which, of course, is how Job does things. And then, of course, he promises that the wall will be delivered within four weeks, <laughs> which, as he did with the house that they were going to build, which he said it's going to be done in two weeks, um, Job likes to promise stuff uh, as as president and then have everybody else kind of deliver on it um it's funny because that also then sets a deadline of basically four episodes time which of course will be the end of the season so it's a nice little kind of in joke that he's setting up that it's going to be done in four weeks uh, were this a weekly show of course it's not it was all released on one day so that gag doesn't really hold up but you know and uh michael gets a foot delivered uh from china uh where <laughs> with the message you will pay uh which he obviously interprets as a threat we will find out later on that, you know, this is not a threat. It's just a foot that's been delivered to the wrong address. Um, and in the On the Next, we see Buster and his mugshot, and he has been turned into a meme. Um, and the guilty guys also managed to rule out a person who has been dead for two years, uh, which is probably one of my favourite jokes in the show. The fact that they killed Uncle Jack off, and not only did they do that, but they killed him off two years previous to this, ep this episode airing, so... It's a nice little joke. Uh, and joining me to talk about today is Jim Donahue. Hello, Jim. Anyang. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, I. I. I mean, I'm going to get straight to the guilty guys because I love everything about this. I love this kind of idea of hyper competent lawyers who are really good at one specific job. <laughs> like one person is just DNI. One person is just you know kind of witnesses. One per like each of them has a very specific talent, and the five of them work together. And they're in this office, and there's so many kind of paralegals running around with bits of paper. They've got this gigantic board that has everybody kind of from the you know the previous five seasons listed on it and they spend seven thousand dollars to rule out the fact that Anne didn't kill Lucille too and I just love how they kind of they figure it out they've got all the evidence they box it up and they send it over to the Bluth company to charge them and it's such a I don't know it it, it kind of it, it feels like such a wonderful I don't know it, it feels like something out of a different show but I just love how kind of well executed it is. Like these are hyper competent people, which is something we never see on Arrested Development. So it's nice to see. It's also really well cast. I mean, just little bit players, but they're really good. I mean, especially like Jessica St. Clair as Anita Bramwell. Yeah. You know, it's always wonderful to see Jessica St. Clair and stuff. Yeah, you know. I love her. She's great. Yeah, huge fan of, uh, well, uh, the, the series that NBC cancelled after four episodes out of six. Uh, BFF. Yeah, BFF. Um, oh right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, they they only had they well they had all six eventually, but like they only had four and then pulled it off the air. <laughs> it was like they really didn't give that show a chance. Uh, but you know they got playing house straight away, and obviously you know they got to finish that on their own terms. And uh, you know I, I don't know, it's, but it's just wonderful to see her 
as playing this character of this like really competent lawyer who's kind of yeah. got, and I don't know it's just a wonderful sequence and each one of the actors who were playing like the different the different characters I love the way they kind of complete each other's sentences so one of them's like well you know if this person was there then they couldn't have done this and like they they they're literally like kind of it's they're all talking over each other but just finishing the thoughts and then they're like yeah so there's no way that Anvil could have killed Lucille too and it's like nobody even thought she was a suspect but I like that they're ruling her out and then at the end they rule out Uncle Jack um, but the fact that he died in, very thorough, yeah, yeah, the, very the thorough. fact that he died in 2013 is just a, a wonderful detail it's like the clearer man who died two years ago and I, I just I just love that I love the fact that they've gone to that much effort and they keep sending it over to the, the Bluth company for billing um, obviously in future episodes we'll find out why they're known as the guilty guys <laughs> and it's and it's not because of the reason that the Bluths think um, and also it's it's weird because Barry Barry kind of knows what the Bluths want but for some reason he's recommended these guys um, I guess because he, he doesn't actually realise what they want um, you know but uh, yeah and also I don't know this whole thing of like I don't know Buster becoming a meme is like a really weird kind of joke to finish on <laughs> but I guess it's worth the show kind of acknowledging that, you know, itself has been like everything in Arrested Development has been used for memes for like the last decade anyway. Um, <laughs> True. So I guess it's a nice little way of kind of acknowledging, you know, like the whole Hello Darkness, my old friend, like that became like an instant meme, like for so many different, like all over the place. Um, you know, just Job with, you know, I've made a huge mistake. Of course, the title of the podcast for a reason because it's, you know, been, you know, a meme. And in recent years, um, you know, people have, particularly on Twitter, they've contradicted people by saying narrator, it wasn't or it isn't or, you know, like given the opposite of what people are saying. Yeah, every day. Yeah. So I, it's kind of interesting that they, they kind of throw it out there that Buster be like his mugshot <laughs> became a meme and his poker face is just him smiling <laughs> really like, widely, which again is like a really weird kind of joke. Just the fact that Buster can't like have like a, a kind of a, a poker face that actually hides his emotions he just goes really big with his emotion tony Hale's great in the way he just screws up his face yeah uh i i think that the thing is as well like uh as much as the stuff with him and um oscar and i i you know i i don't really care that much for that storyline like you know they busted him out yeah, really work they took like for me either. they took like half half of this back end to kind of conclude that storyline it didn't need to be four episodes long God. Yeah, so I but I still enjoy what Tony Hale does with it. Particularly, you know, we had the the wonderful setup of the inside outside in like episode nine, which in itself is is a funny joke. Um, but I, like the fact that we've taken this long for Buster to be arrested for the second time for the same thing that he was arrested for before, it just it feels like the show was spinning its wheels a little bit with Buster. Like they didn't fully like everything revolves around jokes about his hand, and so it doesn't really seem to know what else to do with him other than. Um, you know, just the fact that he keeps breaking hands and losing hands and getting different hands and like that, that just seems to be the whole kind of, you know, thing. Um, and, and it, I don't know, it just feels like they don't really know what to do with Buster other than having keep getting arrested over and over again, you know, um, for something that, uh, I don't know, it, it just feels like a weird, it just feels like a weird kind of storyline. And again, we kind of, uh, we, we Barry here, we kind of push a little bit further into the fact that he's not around to he's not allowed to be around people younger than 25 um like we we never get specific charges on what barry's done but they fact i was gonna ask you that yeah, i wasn't sure the fact that they just keep having him arrested and you know like i mean in, in like the first season he was like arrested and he went into prison and you know he kind of he enjoyed it and that was the joke but since then, they've they've kind of had like, and obviously him being arrested and Michael not realizing, and then bailing him out instead of Buster, 
that was you know a funny joke but the, the fact that they keep kind of hinting at what barry has been doing and then he kind of keeps elaborating on stuff but without ever saying what the charges are um you know he says that his sentence has been reduced you know like i, I don't know it, it just feels like a weird direction again they feel like it's just playing off the fact that henry winkler is kind of so wholesome and so good-natured that against that you have this character of Barry who's clearly deviant in some way, but they never want to specifically say where it is. I think Winkler pulls it off better than virtually anyone else could have. Yeah, I was, I, like he still sells it, and he's, it still kind of works, but I, I don't feel like... I, like either get specific on it and really sell the joke or stop bringing it up. Like, like the, this kind of middle ground doesn't really feel like it's, it's kind of delivering either I way for totally me. Totally agree. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I kind of like as well how Buster is caught by the fact that somebody saw something and said something, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I just, I kind of like John Beard's delivery of that. Like, you know, they, we, they were helped out because somebody saw something and said something. Um, you know, which just kind of plays on the whole kind of 9-11, see if you see something, say something. Beard's delivery is always spot on. And I, I think as well, like, um, you know, we said it before, just the fact that they've stuck with John Beard all this time. Uh, yeah, remarkable. It's kind, of, it's kind of nice that he's still kind of delivered. Like, the whole kind of, I don't know, his whole persona of, like, being a, a kind of a sensible newsman kind of helps deliver some of the more absurd lines like that. Um but yeah, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of pretty much all the Buster stuff that I think is, um, you know, uh, worth kind of going over. I think it goes back to, I don't know, season two or three, but the way John Beard pronounces Capuchino always cracks me <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, you, you won't believe what it's going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, his, his Capuchino. Is is a wonderful yeah. It's I don't know. I just I love the he does something similar in this season where he goes through the various decades and he keeps saying like it's the uh, the introduction of um of Dusty and he keeps saying different artists that are rocking you know whatever and and the the Beach Boys like these the the the, the Balboa Bay Beach Boys or whatever are still doing throwing rocks at whichever different person, um you know so he kind of does that as well where they kind of they dress him in various different styles to throughout the decades, um. But yeah, and I again we were kind of left with um, Tobias not really kind of knowing what to do. Like I don't know what they. I like that he kind of does this whole thing about you know Buster being a an Iraq War veteran suffering from PTSD, um, and then immediately he says something and Michael's like you're fired. <laughs> Lucille's like you're hired <laughs> as a spokesperson and Michael's like you're fired, um, and then of course they need to get you know they they hire the prestigious law firm of the guilty guys as a result from that. Again, a little kind of bit of a dig at Netflix here because of course they have a Netflix reality show which again I is kind of a commentary on the fact that Netflix has all these different kind of like true crime shows that have been going on. Um, and so it's, it's kind of just like a little, a little bit of a dig at that, which, you know, I, well, I mean, you know, Arrested Development has never been afraid to make fun of whoever is providing it with money. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to, to get that. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we, we get, we get a lot of stuff with the whole kind of like, um, the, the Chinese investors and selling fake block and all that kind of backwards and forwards, which, um, I, I mean, it's kind of amusing, but I... Found it so complicated that I, I found it hard to follow. Like what exactly <laughs> was going on in that plot, and I didn't really care. Yeah, they owe the Chinese investors two million because the Chinese investors have invested in the wall. But then, you know, they expect Lindsay to win so that they could build the wall. But now that she hasn't, now that she's lost, 
they're going to have to build the wall, but they're not going to make any money because the wall is going to be on the wrong side of the border. Um, and so the government aren't going to pay them to build the wall. And so the Chinese have paid for the wall to be built instead. But, you know, they don't they're not going to be able to get the wall built if Sally Sitwell doesn't approve it. And she's you know, she's she's she was against the wall, which they were happy with. But now she's for the wall. They don't have the money to actually build the wall. I literally tuned you out halfway <laughs> through your explanation there. Yeah, just, just yeah, yeah. The whole kind of the plot. yeah, the whole building a wall and it, yeah, it's like this goes back all the way through season four when they were trying to build a wall and and all that kind of stuff. And it's like you know, it's it's a, it's funny because when it was in season four, Trump didn't exist, and so that joke just became prescient. But in this season, Trump does exist, and that was the main platform of his campaign. So now the joke is not as funny, I think. Um, yeah. And this is why they've I mean, like the idea of the Chinese building a wall is funny because obviously, you know, the Great Wall of China, but they've kind of extended it out. There's a whole lot of stuff about how they, you know, they they mildly disapprove and all that kind of stuff. Like the understatement of Chinese like anger is a funny joke that kind of runs through the next few episodes. But I don't think it's worth all this setup. It's just way too much kind of. And this is kind of what's stranding George Senior and Lucille as well. They're stuck in this storyline about the wall. Um, and it, I don't think it's really going anywhere quick enough. Um, and they, I could have really done with a bit more of them in the Buster storyline, but instead Buster is kind of left to be arrested by himself and nobody realizes where Buster is. Um, yeah. And so it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird, um, you know. And we get a little bit of a recap of what was going on with George, Michael and Maybe because obviously they took the actual stair car to Mexico and then abandoned it. Um, and then Oscar and Buster escaped in the replica stair car that is now being parked in the uh, in the evidence spot. Um, so there's actually two stair cars in the show now. <laughs> um, of course, we know that one of the stair cars was abandoned at an airport in Germany, where a bunch of superheroes had a fight next to it. Um, so <laughs> that's probably where that stair car is. But yeah, uh, the whole misunderstanding of like Barry talking to Oscar instead of George Senior. This bit has come up like in two or three other episodes where they keep kind of going back to it. And I think, as anybody at this point would know, they know the misunderstanding. Like, they don't need to be told six or seven more times about this misunderstanding. And I don't think it's really adding that much to the, the kind of the overall episode. Like, you know, the fact that, that Oscar broke Buster out, we already kind of know that. You know, we know we know where the stair car is. We're getting a lot of recapping of stuff that we kind of already know. Uh, and of course, uh, Michael wants people to kind of keep quiet. This is where Tobias volunteers to be the ringmaster of the media circus and then instantly says something stupid and gets fired, uh, which leads to the hiring of the, uh, you know, the, the guilty guys. Um, and then we have this whole thing about, um, you know, the Bluth Company, um, you know, George Michael, you know, is under pressure to deliver fake block uh, because obviously the guilty guys are costing a lot of money. Um, in particular, <laughs> you know, they get the bill for Anne Veal being ruled out. And that costs $7,000 in one week. Um, so Michael is like, we really need George Michael to kind of get somebody else to invest. And he's looking for Rebel Alley. Um, and of course, uh, this is where George Michael, obviously he knows that fake block doesn't work. So he doesn't want to get Rebel kind of, um, you know, implied in that. Um, and, you know, this is where he kind of breaks, you know, Rebel breaks up with George Michael. Um and then, you know, we get to the kind of crux of it, which is, um, you know, George Michael get, gets his foot um, and he feels threatened. And so he decides to have an announcement in Sudden Valley. Uh, Job is angry 
Um, and we get this whole sequence with Job calling Adir, and Adir is walking front in front of the camera, and Job is speaking to him as if he can hear him through the TV. And it's a nice bit of kind of work with um, with uh, the, you know the the actor who plays Adir, who was called Adir, funnily enough. Um, uh, so it's a nice bit of work between Adir uh, Kalen, I think is how you say his second name, and um, and Job, where he keeps talking on his phone, but as, talking at the TV as if, and Adir keeps saying, "I can't see you, I can't see you," and it's kind of it's kind of a weird like one way like video phone call, and I kind of I kind of like it. It's just like a weird extended gag of like. Uh, the two of them kind of talking to each other. And of course, afterwards, Michael uh, decides that he's going to fire a deer, uh, which was going to be his um, his his uh, Christmas present to his mom uh, to fire a deer. Uh, but he decides to do it early. Uh, and of course, George. Yeah. And George Michael fires his dad from fate block as well <laughs> because of this whole disaster with the wall getting knocked down and everything. Um, so uh, and, you know, aside from all that and, you know, we we also have this weird thing at the start of the episode, which um, I think I don't know. It's a it's a weird kind of setup for something that will will kind of pay off uh, in the next couple of episodes, um, and it's shot slightly differently to the rest of the show, um, and it's it's uh, that you know the reason for that will become known in a few episodes time, uh, but it's kind of it's kind of weird that we have this whole thing in 1982 with the Bluths, um, and the fact that they seem to have recast. Um, you know, uh, a young George and young Lucille using Kobe Smulders and Taryn Killam in instead of um, uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Kristen Wiig. Um, and at first, when I watched this series, uh, you know, I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is this? Like, I don't even quite understand what this is all about. We find out, of course, that Buster was kept on a leash, <laughs> which had a yellow bow tie on it, uh, which I think is a callback to the seal uh, that had a bow tie. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and obviously the bow tie was the, the incriminating thing that let Job know it was his seal that bit off Buster's hand. Um, right. And, you know, Michael is wearing his banana stand shirt. So obviously he's, and he, he's, it's, it's made known that he's covering Job shift. So obviously even at that young age, Job wasn't going to work and Mike was going to, Michael was going to work for him. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of call out to Castaway where Buster has a ball um, that's called Lucille Ball, <laughs> which, again, it's like, I don't know how it's taken this show, like, almost 15 years to get to one of the more obvious gags, but I still kind of really enjoyed the kind of the fact that this volleyball is is, is being named Lucille Ball. Um, and, of course, uh, Lindsay, young Lindsay, is worried that, you know, mom is ruining them all, and Buster says they're normal. And, of course, <laughs> he has a leash on and... <laughs> And, you know, Michael and Job are, you know, plotting to have Buster go swim in the ocean. Um, and then there's a whole thing about, like, the family pageant. Um, and it's the only time that, um, you know, they, they wear, the Buster gets to wear a swimsuit without a collar. Um, and I don't know, there's like, there's also the whole thing of, like, you know, Michael's uh, Michael's dove is going to die. And it will be returned from whence it came, as the, the young uh, Job says. So this this whole scene is just basically full of a lot of callbacks to jokes from earlier seasons. Um, and I, it's, it's weird because obviously once we find out what this is, I think the joke actually becomes funnier because it's like, oh, well, that's why it was all kind of weird and staged a different way and everything. Uh, but I think having this here at the beginning of this episode is, kind of, is such a weird kind of setup for it. 
Um, and I think I prefer. It I pref- goes on for so long. Yeah, it's like at least four or five minutes out of like a 20, 25 minute episode or something. It's like a healthy chunk of it before we even get to like the titles. Um, it's a good five minutes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, sorry, no, we had the titles before it. So we this isn't even done as like pre titles, um, which I think would have worked. If this had been pre titles, I think I could have. But while, while, you know, the titles have happened and we're in the episode. Um, and yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, because because then you think to yourself, oh well, this is the episode. But then all of a sudden we're back at the jail after this, and it's like I I don't understand what that was all about. But obviously, what? yeah, it's a, it's a set it's a setup for stuff that's going to happen later on. You know, it turns out it's made by Imagine Entertainment. Um, so you know, there's a there's a little bit of a callback to to the whole. Um, you know, basically the storyline from season four with Michael, you know, getting <laughs> getting the life rights of the Bluths is is kind of set up again and kind of paid off there a little bit. But yeah, I'll take a couple of episodes before it, it kind of works out. The only thing that we get that's a solid gag, I think, is the whole fact that Job um, only has one talent, which is push-ups. And then Michael was going to do magic. And then Job, we obviously know Job will take that magic kit and will take that as his talent. Um, so it's a nice little setup of, of where, you know, Job's magic thing came from. So, you know, but other than that, it's just a weird. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird little origin story. And that's, that's all it is. Um, once we get to the, you know, the next, the episode that has the full kind of the rest of the episode of this, this thing, it kind of makes sense a bit more. But it's just a weird thing to kind of put at the beginning of the episode without it being a pre-title thing, um, you know. And and also, um, I don't think it has the narrator either as well because obviously, because uh, it, it's set in the past, um, and obviously because of what it is later on, we find out, you know. So it's it's kind of weirdly disjointed from the rest of the episode. But um, you know, most of this is is spent on. The discovery of the stair car and the evidence and Buster being arrested. Um, is there anything else that needs to be talked about in this particular episode? Uh, I, I just wanted to point out, I, I liked uh, Ed here's, uh, <laughs> the way he explains how he couldn't find a parable in which building a wall went well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Adir has written the script and he's had to make it uh, 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 like fit certain, well, because he's a compliance officer, he's had to make it legally right. compliant. And yeah, he so obviously looking for a, uh, you know, kind of a parable to stick in there. He couldn't find one that would be compliant with the rest of the the, the stuff. Uh, apparently, the Guilty Guys is based on a, a show called The Young Lawyers, um, which uh, it, it was a show that aired in uh, on ABC in like the early seventies. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it, it's yeah. So it's it's kind of a, a a very specific reference to that and kind of the a law firm comprising some highly competent lawyers, basically, uh, which starred Zalman King in an acting role. Uh, oh my goodness, yeah, really? So it's, uh, you know, the, the, they've never been afraid to make an obscure reference. Uh, of course, <laughs> that is true. Of course, once the foot gets delivered to Michael, we hear a little bit of Sugarfoot as well. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> that gets a nice little callback. But yeah, uh, there's also a bit of Job stuttering uh, again. Uh, I, I I mean, it doesn't work quite as well as it did the first few times. Um, although I do, you know, I, like I, I, you know, I like Will Arnett, so I'm kind of willing to um, kind of you know put up with it. But it's you know, it's not quite as as funny. Uh, it's worth saying on the on the uh, Guilty Guys board, uh, there is a picture next to Tobias of Murphy Brown, uh, but it's actually a picture of Candice Bergen. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> and next to Lindsay's name, it says adopted with a question mark. Um, and then also there's a question mark between, like we're next to Buster um, trying to figure out if he's either George or Oscar is his father. Um, so obviously we already know. Um, you know, we. I mean, obviously in the series they've hinted so many times that Oscar is obviously his father. Uh, but I like that the guilty guys are still unsure on that particular uh, on that particular item. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's also a miniature stair car on the uh, guilty guys model of the crime scene. Um, so they're really going into detail. Uh, you know, they're very good at what they do, uh, which um, very thir- which unfortunately for the Bluffs is not getting people uh, found not guilty. It's the opposite. <laughs> Hence their name, Guilty Guys. That's what they do. Um, so if there's nothing else to discuss about this episode, then uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Jim? Uh, well, you can find me online on Twitter. I am other Jim Donahue. And you can find us, of course, on Twitter at a huge mistake pod or on uh, Facebook at I Made a Huge Mistake. Uh, thanks for being my guest here, Jim, on this and all previous episodes that you have been on. Oh, my pleasure. And otherwise, goodbye. <laughs>